So if we're trying to align ourselves with somebody else's profile, we definitely feel doubt because then we feel like we're not good enough. Like we're not skilled enough. We're not adventurous enough. We're not smart enough. We're not fit enough. Welcome to the Rustic Affair podcast, a show that helps you to inspire listeners to become the best version of themselves by bringing you engaging guest speakers who share their powerful stories of transformation and change. My name is Krista Nicholson. I'm a teacher, conference host, and women's empowerment entrepreneur. Thank you for joining us today and listening to our fourth episode. I'm excited to share with you the story of my special guest speaker today, Aileen Wagner. Aileen is a certified equine gestalt practitioner and is also the founder and owner of Cutting Edge Coaching, where she partners with horses to help people navigate life's challenging circumstances. Aileen helps us to understand why we do the things that we do and make the decisions we make, guides us in the direction of travel based on our own values and operating systems. Join us today in this podcast session to find out how to find yourself and overcome self-doubt. Thank you for joining me today, Aileen. Glad you could be here. Well, thanks for having me, Krista. It's a, my pleasure. I'm excited to be here and spend time with you. As usual, you're a fun person to be around and great for good conversations. So <laughs> well, I'm fantastic. Thank you for joining me. We, we have talked a little bit about finding yourself as our topic of conversation for today. And one of the things that I'm very curious about is why is it hard for women to put themselves first? Oh boy, that's a, a loaded question, but a really good question because it is a um, concern or issue or thing that happens amongst a lot of women. It is uh, really challenging for some people to put themselves first and uh, look after themselves first before everybody else. And I think um, going back in history may be a good place to, to start because people like pre-war, before women started working and stuff, it was always the women's job to look after everyone and nurture everyone and take care of the family. And that was their job. And that was the expectation for women. And, and they were the number one caregiver and nurturer for the rest of the family. Once uh, women entered the workforce after the wars in 1900s, 1950s, I think was when the, uh, a lot of women went to work. They went to work and took on a job as well as continued to be the main caregiver and nurturer and everything for the rest of the family. So it was, it was double duty. And I think that, uh, um, the expectation was, well, you're going to go to work, but you still have all this other stuff to do at home. So, it was, so they took on uh, an extra job plus all the, their previous tasks, didn't let anything go. Like they just held on to everything and kept working, working through it. So I think then mm-hmm. uh, women picked up the extras, just kept rolling with all the commitments that they had. Nowadays, uh, when we find ourselves in those situations, we've got to work we got home, we've got all the kids and everything else to, to care for. Along with that comes a certain amount of, well, a huge amount of responsibility, but a certain amount of guilt if we try to do something for ourselves first, because then it may feel like we're shirking all those other responsibilities. With the traditional roles, we always had to make sure that um, everyone else's needs were met first. That was our job to do that. And then if there was time after that, then we had time for ourselves to do whatever. But now, with the double duty, there doesn't seem to be that time anymore. So the time frame of working and doing all the extras is uh, is the big part of it. Even for stay-at-home moms, there's a lot of extras now um, that weren't there before with all the extra activities for kids and sports and um, different things that the kids want to do. It's just a busy, busy 
life compared to earlier times. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So how do you think women would balance all of that then? Well, that's, that's the trick. <laughs> that's the <laughs> challenge. And I don't know if anybody ever has ever really figured out the balance, but, but uh, it is something that, that we have to purposefully do. It, it doesn't just happen. Sometimes when we want to do things for ourselves, we um, neglect to, to look after ourselves also because of, of, of fear of uh, appearing selfish or self-centered or, or putting ourselves first over somebody else when, it, when it's our duty to look after the others. So I think keeping balance is, uh, is a whole other uh, challenge. <laughs> or a topic but it most uh, certainly is it in order is. yeah mm-hmm. but in order to keep that balance we we have to recognize where we are so it's so initially if we're wanting to get balance in our life we have to actually figure out where are we where are we right now what are we what are we doing what's working for us what's not working for us we have to understand ourselves what's a fit for us and what's right for us because balance for one person is not the same as balance for another person everybody's an individual and some people are able to do different things or do things differently than others, depending on there's depending on a lot of things. So it's based on your, it could be your health. It could be your, your temperament, your value system, all those things have an effect on how you're going to be able to fit uh, balance or work with balance in your lives. When we check in with ourselves and become aware of, of who we are and what it is that supports us, it gives us a base to work from on where to go to find that balance in our life. If we know what, what works for us and what makes us a little on edge or causes anxiety or, or, or doesn't feel good for us, then we can find a way to make a shift, notice what we need to change to be able to move forward. Yeah. So that's, that's why checking in with yourself is so important. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. It's, um, um, checking in with ourselves is super important because if we don't recognize our own strengths and our own limitations, we may try to set up balance according to somebody else's program, which is, is not really going to be that effective because they have their strengths and they have their limitations, right? Which might not be the same as ours. So if we don't do things personally on a personal level, it, the outcome is not going to be as favorable. So it's personal work. <laughs> we have Definitely. to do that. It is work. We have to do that personal work and do some digging and find out what it is that is going to be our, in our best interests. Yeah. Well, how would a person go about checking in with themselves? Okay. So there's uh, lots of things a person can do. So a lot of it is um, just sitting with ourselves and noticing different things, um, recognizing patterns that you may have you've had for a long time that cause you to do things in a certain way. And, and, and they could be destructive patterns or they could be um, supportive patterns, but just recognizing those patterns because you're going to be able to use supportive patterns to help you along the way, but you want to do something about destructive patterns because they're not going to support you. So you just recognizing any patterns and it may take some, um, it might take a little bit of journal, journaling or something like that to, to look at that. Or it may just take somebody uh, like a coach or somebody to work with you and help you figure those things out. So someone who's able to ask the right questions and um, help you to get uh, to a place where you actually recognize these things, because a lot of times it would be hard to recognize, especially if they're a pattern, they just part of that's just how it is, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. And that's, and, and that's, is part of the work that I do because people 
are not aware of those things within themselves until they get that time and the space to sit there and open up to being aware of those things. And uh, you, if you're in a state of um, upheaval or anxiety or always on the go and, and don't have time to relax and you're always go, 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 that is not a space where you can come up, sit down and come up with anything or be aware of a place where you need to be to be to let the flow of those things come out and, and you recognize what's been going on in your life or what you've been doing. You need to be calm. <laughs> you need to have, you need to be regulated. You need to well be... to tune into those destructive patterns, right? It's that's, hard to recognize that stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's uh, actually, that's where horses come in in the work that I do um, when I partner with people and, and the horses to uh, help people um, realize or, or understand what's up for them or what's happening for them. Um, the the research actually shows that sitting with a horse and the horse's energy, they have a huge energy around them and a magnetic field. And and there's lots of research, like the heart math Institute has research on this in different places. If you Google it, you'll find lots of, um, lots of information that shows what uh, horses do for us. But if we're present with a horse, our whole physiology is affected. Our blood pressure goes down, our heart rate goes down. Um, the good endorphins are, are raised, stress is down, anger, hostility, tension, all those things are lowered and a sense of calm comes about us. So we're regulated. Once we get to that place of regulation within our physiology, then we can become more aware of things. It could be um, past memories or thoughts or ideas or, and patterns and all those things and Definitely our past has a lot to do with our present. Being in the present can help get us going in the right direction in our future. But but we need to understand those things. We need to understand the past, understand why we do the things that we do. Somebody who overeats or has something that they that is that is a negative pattern that they want to stop, they can't a person can't just stop because they want to. They they need to know the reasons why that's happening and the patterns and how it happens and what's causing what the root cause of that is, right? It's just like treating uh, the symptoms, like giving someone a pill for something. It's just, that's treating the symptoms, right? It's not treating the cause of something. So we need to go back and, and uh, try to pull up like what, like what really is it? So when we sit with the horses and we get into that state, we can access that, what it is, what, what, what is the root cause of something or what is, what are the patterns that are causing me grief or even what are the patterns that are supporting me? Then we are open to be being aware of what's what we're up to, what we're doing, why we're doing those things. Well, and I'm curious, I'm curious if those patterns lead to self-doubt, right? Especially those destructive patterns and why so many people struggle with self-doubt. I, I'm curious if that has to do with those negative patterns. And that that could be part of it that uh, definitely could be a part of uh, self-doubt of those negative patterns because if, if you cannot change those patterns or can't turn them around to a pattern that's going to support you then you're not going to be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish you're not going to get the things done that you feel like you should be doing and and so on so it's um the the patterns are causing if they're negative patterns are causing 
like a lack of resiliency, a lack of confidence, um, all kinds of things that, that are causing us to be stuck, not move ahead or not get um, through, not finish our goals or not be able to achieve our goals and, and those kind of things. So a lot of self-doubt also is the comparison game <laughs> when we see what other people are accomplishing and what they're up to. And we think that, oh, I would really like to be able to do that. That would be so cool if I was like that. Or why can't I do that? How come I'm not like that? And so that's, again, why we need to really know ourselves. Because we may look at someone who's got something that we think we'd want or they're doing something that we think we'd like to do. But really, if we sat with ourselves and, and did a little uh, investigating on who we are and what we are as a person, who we want to be, it may, that may not be what we want at all, <laughs> you know, but it just looks good because somebody else has it. And, and you know, and that's, yeah. that's the, the whole comparison thing. It's not right for me. It's right for them, but it's not right for me or vice versa. So if we're trying to align ourselves with somebody else's profile, we definitely feel doubt because then we feel like we're not good enough. Like we're not skilled enough. We're not adventurous enough. We're not smart enough. We're not fit enough. You know, mm -hmm. the list goes on because we're, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's their profile. That's who they are. That's not who we are. And that's right. not to say we can't something that, that we're knowing, we have a some knowing around then we're not going to be that successful with our goals. I mean, there's got to be some understanding of why we're doing things that we want to do. The, I talked about resiliency, like lack of resiliency is another factor why we have self-doubt. If we have, every, everybody has things that happen in life and, and hard times that come upon us and, and incidents or situations or whatever. And if we just kind of shut down and ignore those things or wait until they pass and think, okay, that's going to pass and I'll feel better in two weeks or tomorrow or after the weekend or whatever. If we don't work through those things, they're still there. We may feel better in the, in the short term and right. think that, that that's okay down the road somewhere. Uh, that may be a trigger for something else that right. comes up. And with I, something and else. For sure. And I think that kind of has the snowball effect. Definitely. Yeah. A snowball right? effect where yeah. you just keep adding all of that adds up to this, you know, thought or belief that we have about ourselves and mm -hmm. it just confirms that in some way. And then it, yeah, you, like you said, it mentions, or you mentioned about triggering mm -hmm. and how to become triggered later. It might be a small thing, but it becomes a big thing because of what's been accumulating. So that's far. right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the old shaking the pop bottle. You, you've heard that. I'm sure when you pop bottle sh gets shook for one event that happens and the next time something pop bottle shakes again. And by the time everything's piled up and somebody opens the lid of the pop bottle, well, push everything <laughs> explodes out of there. And then you yeah. got, then you got a big mess that really needs to be cleaned up. But if you can uh, start the cleanup before it even happens, um, it's, it's a little bit easier and not so hard on on a person i mean that's called uh unfinished business that's what we deal with in the, in the gestalt in the gestalt therapy process um a trigger opens up unhealed wounds and and unfinished business right and that's where gestalt practices come into effect when i work with one-on-one -on -one with clients and horses and it's um getting to that un unfinished business now i should maybe mention a little bit about what gestalt is for um, some of the listeners if you haven't heard of gestalt therapy it's an old german psychotherapy and it's actually um 
it's not talk therapy, it's, it's somatics or body therapy. So we work things through the body and that's how we, why we partner with horses because the horses help support us by sharing their good energy with us and helping us get to the places where we can access um, what it is that's really going on because the gestalt is the background foreground. So whatever's up for you today or whatever's happening in your life right now that you think is causing a lot of grief or it's causing you a lot of discomfort or anxiety or whatever it's causing is typically tied to something back in your background. But we're not aware of that. We just think, well, this is what's up for me today. This is what's happening today. And this is how I feel today. I'm just not doing well. But if we sit and get to the, the bottom of things and, and go back, there may be something back there that an old, an old wound or an old trauma or an old something that has happened that wasn't dealt with. It was just kind of stuff like, well, that's not really that important. We'll just like forget about it for now. But really, it, and that's what you talk about in the piled up it comes something else happens something else something else and then what's up today is just the tip of the iceberg of something that happened way back so then we need to release whatever that was quite probably for most people it is a childhood um, event or a childhood instance or a trauma or or something that's happened and uh it could, i mean it could be like a the loss of a parent or, or a divorce or anything like that. And it's some things that we think that, well, yeah, that's life, you know, stuff happens and let's just carry on. And it's kind of dealt with that way. So then we, we work through that. The horses are pretty good support because there's no judgment with the horses. <laughs> they, they're there with us as long as we're, we're being um, honest and we're in, in con- we're, we are congruent and not incongruent. So if your mind and your head are in the same space and your heart is there with them in the same space that means you're congruent so the horses will they'll stick with us and they'll um, support us and help us get through the hard questions and those kind of things and it's it's a little tricky to explain when you can't see yeah but it is powerful and I've seen it for myself I know that I've participated in sessions before and at first I had thought well, I'm not so sure about this. And there was a couple of questions that I was asked and the horse wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. And it, based on the answers that I had given it, and it's like, well, let's think about this again and had some more questions and gave some more answers. The horse still wouldn't move. And then when it really came down to the answer that kind of came really loud and clear, and we were talking about that congruency, just very much in alignment, then the horse moved. And I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They, and they, ha- it's one of those things that you have to be there almost. It's hard to describe. It, it is. It is. And they, they can tell when, when we're not there present, like they're, they're the masters of being present. And that's how they live. They live in the moment. They don't uh, worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't worry about what happened yesterday. They're here right now and that's where their energy sits and that's where when they're with a person that's where they want the person to be as well because that's that's where they there's a trusting relationship then if somebody's Mm -hmm. well you know if you're if you know someone or you've dealt with someone who's telling you one thing and you know they're meaning (laughs) something else we don't trust that person right if you know what they're saying and what they're actually meaning are two different things there's a, a lack of trust there and that's how it is with the horses too if they feel that you're not doing or or being who you're saying you are or who you're presenting yeah they don't they don't trust you and they don't want to be with you the horses want to feel safe and they want to feel comfortable and if they're not uh, feeling that way then they'll just check out they don't want to 
anything to do with that. <laughs> That's how they know it is there. really neat. Yeah. So then I'm thinking when you're talking about self-doubt and the different things that cause the self-doubt, how do you think a person then can overcome that? Yeah, those are, that's the work. (laughs) That's, it's a process. It's not a, it's not a one-time deal. I think it's a, something that it's a, it's a continual, it's a continual work to keep yourself in that space because uh, as we move through life, I mean, we may have self-doubt around school when we're in school about um, how our intelligence or how smart we are, or how we're able to get through class and, and we worry about our test scores and all those kind of things. So we doubt ourselves that way, but then you're out of school and then you're in the workforce and then you might doubt your skills at work or you might doubt your people skills and, and those kind of things. So it's, it's continual. Like there's always going to be a place or a space where you're going to end up where you may have self-doubt how so that's something we need to work with as we keep going when we look back at babies little ones that are trying to walk they walk they fall down they get up again they keep walking they walk they fall i mean how many times do they fall before they're actually walking but it doesn't deter them from trying to walk unless they have a a wreck like they fall down the stairs or they're hurt really badly or something like that and that might cause a delay it's it's a for the most part yes yeah yeah you just have to keep you know you're gonna you're gonna fall but you got to get up and, and keep going again. So um, overcoming self-doubt, uh, one thing you, you, you can do is let go of the things that are holding you back. Like you have to let go of some things. You can't carry everything with you um, as you move through life. There are things that are a burden and that's things from the past. So if something from the past, you carry it with you as you're trying to move forward, it's just, just dragging you back. It's not doing you any good and it could be causing you to doubt yourself so that those things need to be let go of setting goals is another way to um, to get rid of your doubt because if you set goals properly um, goals that are right for you and um, that goes back to understanding yourself so you know how to set your own goals and if you set them properly with your with your timeline and you know your why for the the goals that you're setting um, that'll help with um, overcoming self-doubt and you have a timeline to work through things and how do you know when you've reached your goal if you, if you really mm-hmm. um, go back and set your goals in with an in-depth process and uh, strategies you're, you're going to overcome some self-doubt if you do if you do them that way uh, overcoming self-doubt if you're understanding your your temperament that's another thing we have um, everybody comes into the world and has a, a temperament and your temperament um, is whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, right? And some people have misinformation on this. Uh, they think an extrovert is somebody who's loud and they talk a lot and they're, you know, the life of the party and all those kind of things, which may be true, but that's not necessarily what an extrovert is. An extrovert, the, the, what defines them is, is how you get your energy. So an extrovert pulls their energy from being around other people. That's how they mm-hmm. like to refuel. They like to be around other people. They get their energy that way. Definitely. As an extrovert yeah. myself, <laughs> if I'm feeling a little bit down or feeling, you know, low energy, I definitely, I go out and I make intentional visits with others so that I can kind of refuel myself. Cause that's how I feel good to be by myself after a while. No, that's not me. I'm definitely an expert. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so isn't that, uh, knowing that about yourself, doesn't that help you and guide you in your day to day when you're feeling down, you know that, okay, I need to get 
around some people, right? So this definitely, COVID, and COVID even if I can't necessarily, well, and COVID was definitely hard for me. I had a very close group that we cohorted together. So we were able to see our family cohort. So we saw a lot of my family, which was fantastic because I don't always get a chance to do that pre-COVID. But the other thing too, that I found is that I'd pick up the phone a lot more and call yeah. people versus right. the text. To be mm-hmm. honest, that really changed for me. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's been a challenging year, 18 months or however long it's been, but, uh, but yeah, but understanding that supported you through that time, right? So that's what that's where the self understanding comes in or self awareness part plays a big role. And also the introverts. So introverts energy is the opposite. They fuel up by being alone and uh, having their own space. And, and, uh, and then by being alone doesn't mean just sitting at home by themselves. They may be walking the dog or doing an art project or something like that, but it's a, uh, more solitary type of activity or solitary time reading a book or or something like that and i mean introverts can can have a career like we would we would assume an extrovert would have such as uh, public speaking so if there's an introvert who's out public speaking they may uh, command the stage and have a great performance or speech or whatever it is they're doing but when they're done on the stage and they get off, if they understand themselves, they're not going to be mingling with the crowd or the audience or something. They're going to go back to their room yeah. or wherever, their car or the vehicle and, and recharge before they then go back in amongst the people. They need that time to let go of all the energy that, that has been out there. It's like almost like static that comes towards them. Then they can go get rid of that, recharge themselves, feel good, fuel up, and then go back and, and be with people again. Whereas someone who's an extrovert, if that's their career, they may just walk right off the stage, right into the middle of the, <laughs> the audience and <laughs> to the crowd and say hello. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and they're quite comfortable with that and they feel good with that and, and stuff. So understanding those things about ourselves can support us in our career. Maybe we're in the wrong career and, and didn't even know why, you, you know, some people that work in uh, customer service or something like that. And they're, have you ever gone? to return something and the person that's working there really doesn't want anything to do with <laughs> with you or anybody else <laughs> the that's customer, in the lineup. The, the service that needs to be provided in order to get the job done. Yes. Right. I think we've all but had those experiences. I know. And is that a um, quite possibly somebody who's an introvert sitting at a desk that's dealing with people all day long, that's not what their person is meant to be doing because they're an introvert. So maybe they'd be better being the tech person in the back room who's working on the computer um, fixing stuff on the computer or doing computer maintenance or, or emails and all those kind of things where they're not upfront and personal with, with people physically. And it's uh, yeah, it's a challenge to, to be in a space like that when your temperament is not suited for it, but understanding your temperament though will help you support yourself in that space. If you find out that's where you are. So, and there's uh, three other areas of temperament. I'm not going to get into all of them here. It's a whole other thing. But once you understand yourself completely, it's a lot, you, you can be a lot more efficient and effective about where you are in life and how you place yourself in life. And one of the other ones is, is are you a thinker or a feeler? So a thinking person makes all their decisions based on how they think or what they think or rationale and stuff like that. Whereas a feeling person bases their decisions on like, how does, how does that feel to them? Like, does it feel like the right decision? they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, people make different decisions based on 
that a lot of times. And, and, and so somebody who's a really strong feeler might think that, well, how could that person, how could that person do that? How could they decide to, to, to give that dog away just because they can't look after it or something like that when, when they took that dog? Like, I would never do something like that because they would base their decision on how they feel, like their heart would just mm-hmm. be broken if they had to get rid of a pet or something like that. But the person with the dog, they are like, I'm working all day. I didn't know I was going to have this job. I don't have time. The poor dog's stuck in my apartment all day. It's not fair. I'm thinking about you know? the dog and how yeah, to ex- best exactly. support that dog. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're rationalizing it. And, and uh, not only does it help us understand ourselves, but it helps us understand other people. When we understand ourselves more completely, then we can look at other people. Or when we're noticing other people doing things differently than us, we understand their why or, or how... They operate and, and there's no right or wrong, like there's no right or wrong temperament or preferred temperament or preferred way to do it. It's just, just, it just is everybody's, Mm -hmm. everybody's different. Everybody's in the world to be themselves and be their own person and not to be a a clone of somebody else or not to be a protege that, you know, I mean, we have protégés, of course, when we're creating athletes or whatever, and we want them to excel, but you still need to be your own person in, in the insight on the insight. Definitely. And I'm curious if that has to do with our value system. You talk lots about value system and what is it and how does it work? So your values are, are the other part of your operating system. Your temperament is part of your operating system. And so are your, are your values. And when we speak about values, everybody has core values and that's the, that's another individual thing. Our values need to be our own we get to decide nobody else gets to decide what our values are so typically around 12 or 13 is about the time in our life where we start looking around at other people and we think um, things about what do we what do we what do I want to be like do I want to be like this person or I kind of like the way this person is they're really kind and they do things genuinely with others I think you know I'd like to I'd like to be kind of like that so that's the age where we start to, although we don't realize their values that we're working with, that's where we start to decide who we want to be. And um, typically it's based on what we see out in the world amongst other people, right? So, and then, and then those values are, are what guide us the rest of the way. But um, if we're not living by our own set of values, then we're, we're living in a lot of discomfort and if we don't realize that we could end up in a bad way like our health could deteriorate our our mental health our physical health emotional health all those things because if we don't make our decisions based on our own values and and maybe if we're um, with a partner or somebody else and we we're basing our decisions on what we think what their values are and what we think they want then we're not supporting ourselves and if we continue to to work that way then we're, we're just kind of slowly sinking, sinking, sinking. And, you know, we're not supporting our own set of values or how we want to live. So typically we have three main values. We have one, usually we have one guiding value and that's the one that's always there. And if we're making decisions for ourselves based on that, that one value, then usually we're pretty solid. We're pretty emotionally stable, everything. Um, I mean, all, obviously we all have bad days, but if we're, letting our strong value guide us in the decisions we make in our day-to-day, then we're kind of level, you know, right. we're, we're, we're working along on a good trajectory of um, getting to where we want to be. 
right? Well, I mean, how does a person find out their values? Uh, so an activity we can do is um, just write down 10 values that come to you on a piece of paper. Just write down some values that you think are values that you have or you feel are values that are within you or values that maybe they're not within you. Maybe they're just values you think you would like to have. However, you could start out by writing down about 10 values. Then once you've got them written down, rank them. So by ranking, I mean ordering them from one to 10. So you would look at those values and see, okay, which value do I live by? I mean, and the values could be things like integrity, compassion, love, competence, like being right. There's no wrong value either. Whatever those values are that you run by, just, just get them down there or that you think are good values or true to yourself, get them down there and then organize them from one to 10, one being the value that you feel that you use the most or your go-to mm-hmm. value. Like mm-hmm. which one, which one can you not live without? You need to be making your decisions by that way, all the way down to number 10. And then once you've got your one, two, and three values, your number one value is your, your guiding principle. That's the one that's going to guide you no matter what. Your two and three may interchange and the rest of them down to 10 um, will play a factor in certain decisions that you make or certain things that you're doing, but that, but it won't be as, as strong as your number one value. Mm-hmm. This is also a bit of a, a work in progress because you may, what you think are your values. Once you get going and you're noticing how you're making your decisions and stuff, you may go on and go back and look, re look at them and reevaluate how you've ranked them. It's, it's hard just to do it one time. And then, then it's set in stone. It, it might be, just didn't have an awareness of something. Mm-hmm. I know for, for me, one of my values, which I held at number seven, which I thought was a number seven debt value down there. Once I got going, doing some things, then I realized, oh, <laughs> that value <laughs> needs to be a little bit higher on my list because as I would go through, and it was um, like when I was doing my training and when I'm learning some things, like, uh, and the, the value is competence. And I'm like, that that's higher for me because if I'm doing something and it's not right, or um, I can't get it right, like, that's frustrating to me. So competence is was needed to be moved up my list and, and it's not my number one, but it was definitely higher than a seven. So then I was uh, able to look back and think, ah, now I know why I would get so frustrated about this or about that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where the frustration came from. It was a lack of competence. And that was, that's a big thing for me. I've got to, so then that helps me plan, right? If I want to be competent at something I need, I need to, do the back back work or, or you bet you and it helps you overcome that self-doubt about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 everything ties to get, get here. There's such an overlap of all these things. And so, um, you know, getting to you to know yourself is a, it's a big job. Like it's a huge amount of work to really get to know yourself and understand why you do the things that you do. There's no one time uh, sit down and, and do a little digging and figure out, Oh, this is me that that's not, <laughs> that's not how it works because then there's, then there's life, right. And everything that definitely more life. layers to you than that, than just a one time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you could give anyone three pieces of advice to overcome any challenge and find their value system and those kind of things in their life, what would it be? Then I think the number one thing I would say, don't compare, like just, just don't look <laughs> at everybody else and, 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 and uh, compare yourself to what they're doing or where they are because everybody comes with their own backstory 
everybody comes with their own set of skills. Everybody comes with their own being. And so compare, trying to compare yourself or look to somebody else and want to be that or do that or, or something is not, is not uh, going to be very supportive. So don't compare would be the number one. Don't compare. And the number two, which actually maybe this is the number one, is get to know yourself. You know, get to know yourself and know that, that you're a person and you're okay just the way you are and that you you are you and you don't need to be like anybody else. So getting to getting to know yourself is a is a big thing. It's it's uh, it's not easy, it's it is work, but you can do it little little by little. <laughs> you know, just keep building on it. Number three, what would be um, I guess number three would just be be yourself, be comfortable with yourself, and um, that's gonna come with getting to know getting to know yourself. I mean, you're here on the planet to be you and not, not somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. You're here for your own, your own reasons. And that's what makes the world around it. If everybody was the same, it'd be pretty boring and be like little robots running around down here. And you know, that's, (laughs) that's no fun. So, so yeah, be, but, but challenge yourself. Yeah. Be like, I mean, it's not easy. You do have to get out of your comfort zone to, to figure these things out and to, and to be yourself. Does that make sense? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely yeah. does. But uh, yeah, no, just carry on, carry on. Like what I, I, what I would say, if I had to give somebody advice, this would be the advice. If you're really stuck and you're and you're really um, not well, you do need to enlist the support of somebody else, and that somebody else can be anyone who is going to be able and have the capacity to support you. So it it could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a nurse. It could be a doctor. It could be a a psychologist, a coach. Like it could be any of those people, a teacher, whatever, but um, yeah. And it might just take one little um, visit to get, get you going again. You know, it's just being stuck is not a place to be. Well, thank you for joining me today. I enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I did too. Thanks so much for having me on here. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Rustic Affair podcast on your podcast platform, including Apple and Spotify. Also, make sure to check out Aileen's website, The Cutting Edge Coaching, included in the show notes. The Rustic Affair Podcast, becoming the best version of you.